What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am joined, uh, as always, on this uh, Thursday night late podcast for your Friday morning commute with at Marcus underscore Mosher. Um, we are not chipper tonight. I will uh, tell you that. We, uh, we're coming in a little hot. We're coming in a little hot. Um this Thursday night game between the Bengals and Dolphins uh, sparked a lot of thoughts and feelings about uh, what's going on in pro football. And I'll bring in here uh, right away, Marcus, with I know what's on your mind, so let's let's just unload. Yeah, I think Thursday night was a bad, bad night for the NFL for a variety of reasons, right? Uh, we had this this really exciting matchup going into this game between two AFC contenders, and we're not. I mean, we're, we'll talk about the game a little bit, but that's not what anybody's going to be talking about tonight, Friday, and all through the weekend. It's going to be Tua and whether or not he should have been playing in this game after suffering what looked like a head injury in, in week three. He goes back in week four, suffers another head injury that looks. I mean. I I called you when it happened because it just it, it made me sick and honestly that's that's the only thing I can think about right now is Tua. Yeah, so I um I still haven't seen the play. Uh, I don't want to watch it. I so I listen to our uh, to the primetime games usually on the radio in the first half and I pick them up in the second half on video. I've always enjoyed listening to the NFL on the radio uh at least parts of games where I can. And so I didn't hear, I didn't see the Tua play. And so, yeah, you called me and described what happened. And I could have jumped on Twitter and saw it. I just didn't want, I didn't need to see it um, after the way that you explained it. And, uh, you know, I think, I think your concern, not only with Tua's health, but, also with the way the NFL does its business. So let's talk about Tua first. If he did have a concussion last week, and this is another one on four days, uh, that's bad enough. This is a young player who clearly is a team guy. And uh, I think he's extremely likable. And I think that's the other part is like, I think he's, I know some people don't love the root for Tua because they don't think he's good or whatever. I I think his personality and the way he plays is very easy to root for. It feels like he plays it the right way, right? Yeah, you know, I'm not even a college football guy, and the first throw I ever saw Tua make was in the national championship game on a deep the deep ball, literally against Georgia. Um, yep. Yes. You know, um, when you have a guy that's not only likable but a team oriented player. You're, I guess the, it leads into our concern about how the league has handled this and the Dolphins specifically have handled this because when you have a young player who's a team player who's trying to build their career, I think the concern that we have is what role, what pressure does Atua feel to be ready for this game on Thursday night Uh if he did suffer a concussion, we're not doctors. We don't know what exactly happened on last Sunday against the bills, but I think that's the concern you have, right? Yeah. And 
I'd like to say, hey, if he was more a more established quarterback, maybe he takes his time and doesn't play on Thursday, right? If he's, let's say, Aaron Rodgers, right? Maybe you don't rush him back on exactly the field. What I was thinking. But then again, because Amazon has paid so much for these games, these Thursday night games, the NFL is clearly giving Thursday night football some of the best matchups every week. I think there's a push by leagues and by, by the league and by teams to get the best players out on the field, even if they're less than hundred percent. And I think that's, that's tough. And I think it's a really bad look for the NFL. I mean, if you even take going on that side of it, if you even take just run of the mill injuries, like hamstring strains and stuff like that, there's a massive difference between four days and seven days. Absolutely. A massive difference. And you know, the NFL, I, I warned y'all we're coming a little bit hot. If the NFL was really cared about its players and cared about having the best product, we wouldn't have Thursday night football except for the occasional thing well, and in that's, the first place. And we've talked about this before, but I really enjoyed the way the NFL schedule was. I mean, now it's been a few years where your first Thursday football game was on Thanksgiving. And that's what started the Thursday night games as you got later in the season, because then it gave you something to look forward to. Like, Hey, once we get to week 12, that's when we get an extra day of football, right? Now that it's every Thursday, it's not that I don't look forward to the games, but it's not quite the same, if that makes sense. And we've seen, from either doing double dips on Monday night, adding a wild card game, maybe doing a Black Friday game. I know there's been discussion about doing games different nights of the week. I hate that. The The other thing I would say, Elliot, is it, we've been saying this for a while. The quality of Thursday night games usually isn't very good. And I think, I think it's a bad idea to put really good matchups and primetime matchups or you know big-time matchups on Thursday because – you don't get an accurate representation of how these teams are. I, I'd rather see the NFL put the best games on Monday night football rather than Thursday night football. But we we know because Amazon paid a boatload of cash for these games, they're going to get some of the top games every week. And I just fully disagree with it. I used to work for the league. Um, I worked for Fox Sports. There are a lot of people in and around the league and in our business that think Thursday night football is pretty, I don't want to say stupid, but just not, not an endeavor really worth having Um, for some of the reasons you just mentioned. And if you think, if any of y'all out there think, Oh, there's this great big excitement uh, at the NFL, at least from the people that I knew that worked there about Thursday night football, there's not. Most people, I think, see it the way we do. They may not come in as hot as we do. I know I keep using that phrase, but they they see it for what it is. It's a cash cow. And the reason why the NFL playing on Thursday nights is, is such a big deal for the owners is because it rates so well against non-football programming. The rating itself for Thursday night football as compared to other isolated NFL events is nothing special. No. But it's what it's up against on a Thursday night on TV. And that trumps player safety. That trumps anything else. That trumps the quality of the, if you don't care about the player safety, okay. 
it also trumps the quality of the of the game if you care about the quality of the game. I, I don't think the league cares, right? Because they know that people are going to be betting on it. They know that people are going to be playing fantasy players mm-hmm. in the game. So who cares if it's not a good quality game? If there's stars playing in it, it get good ratings. Uh, really, we we should just kind of update people a little bit on the Tua situation, just in case. I mean, you're not up to date a little bit after the game, or excuse me, during the game. Tua was transported to the hospital, uh, checked out. They discharged him. Um, he is flying back, or by the time you listen to this, he'll have flown back with the team. Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins head coach, said um, that he did have a concussion uh, in week four, um, but they're happy that it's nothing more than that. Actually, he said nothing more serious than a concussion. So that's at least where we're at with Tua. But I'm telling you, when you watched it live and you 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 don't know that, it's, it was terrifying. Well, and you talked about with me the previous play where he yes. had gotten hit and how concerning that was. Yes, because he got hit. So, yeah, if you didn't see this, and the play before Tua suffered the concussion, Joseph Asai hit him like almost like in the tailbone. And it's one of those hits where – his knees went down and his back kind of arched behind his heels, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if you pair that with the supposed back injury that he had last week, and then you see the injury that happened this week where he was couldn't move his arms, couldn't move his fingers and his feet, you can see why it was so scary at the time. If your quarterback really does have a bad back injury, and they take a hit like that on the previous play. Why not take them out for a play? Why not let them gather themselves? Because here's the thing. If you say, well, you can't do that in the middle of an NFL game. Why? Are you you're really going to lose the game on one play? Because here's the thing. Even if you say, yeah, but it didn't look bad. Like, in other words, he got right back into the huddle and he was fine. Tell me, Marcus, that the way he got up on that play doesn't affect his mobility to avoid a big hit on the next play. I mean, I think it's, I think you saw that play out. Like he, he's scrambled out to his left and kind of froze a little bit. And I don't know if it was because his back was stiffening up or what. I, 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 I don't know. I don't even want to hypothesize what was happening there, but my guess it's because Tua wants to show that he's tough, right? That was kind of the knock coming out of him or coming out of school was, Hey, he's undersized. He's got a lot of injuries. He's battled injuries in the NFL. Go show that you're tough to it and that you can stay on the field. You know, I still remember uh, 49ers played the Eagles in 1994, and the Eagles were destroying the 49ers offensive line, Marcus, and uh, the, the Eagles ended up pummeling the 49ers like 40 to 8. And this was a really good 49er team that ended up winning the Super Bowl over the Chargers. Uh, George Seifert took Steve Young out of the game on a second down, had Elvis Gerbach literally run into the huddle and replace Young. Now, Young was livid about being pulled out in the middle of a drive, but George Seifert was like, we're getting beat, and my quarterback is getting hit on every single play. This just isn't worth it. You don't see head coaches do that kind of thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And – you know, I know we can put the blame on the owners in the league. And I know what Ryan Fitzpatrick was saying after the game is the whole point of concussion protocol was to kind of take it out of the players' hands. 
but you've also got to take it maybe out of the team's physician's hands too, like the team, because the team mm -hmm. physician is associated with the team. But what about the head coach? Now, if you're listening in your car right now, or you're, you're, uh, you know, you're on the treadmill and you're hearing me right now and you're thinking, okay, man, let's not overreact to one game, one play. If you guys will recall, I got pretty fired up about the Chargers and Brandon Staley playing their star corner against Kansas City when he was hurt, and then he got hurt the same injury. And I asked you, Marcus, what is the point of putting in your guy when you know he's hurt in week two or three when you've got a 17-game schedule to play? So this is not a new thing for me just based on Tua. I will say – just from some of the people that I was talking to a little bit, I'm not sure that was Brandon Staley's decision to play JC Jackson in week two and three. So whose decision would it be Tom Telesco? The people paying JC Jackson a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. So, and here's the thing. If a coach comes out and says, yeah, I was forced to play the player. I didn't want to play the player. The thing is, is they may be looking at never being employed in the NFL. Again. And that's why Brandon Staley could never say that, right? Yes. So that's problematic too. And I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. JC Jackson's injury is nothing even close to Tua's. Tua's no. is the kind of injury that you worry about post-career. But I should yes. say knees, ankles, these turn into arthritic conditions late in, in sure. guys' lives as well. And they can be very debilitating. And so as somebody who has talked to a lot of elderly Hall of Famers in my career, um, it's a real thing, man. And it really pisses me off, quite frankly, because you don't need to do it. I get it. Buffalo, Miami was an important game. I get it. Week three. It's a big game. It's not deciding the fate of the season. I'm sorry. No game in week three decides the fate of the season. I don't know how else to put it. I totally, uh, totally agree with you. It's just, it's sickening. I, I, that's still, I mean, even though we know it's not as bad as it could have been, I mean, it's still really bad. I, and I'm seeing people on Twitter as we're talking say, oh, well, at least it's only a concussion. But dude, I mean, <laughs> concussions are terrifying. What? Just out of curiosity, what do people think a concussion is? Your brain is based, I mean, oh man. I know. It's like, come on. Uh Man, I want to ask you a question because you're a huge college football guy. Mm -hmm. If this had happened, well, Tua played at Alabama. So mm -hmm. let's just use Alabama for just for argument's sake. So let's say Alabama is playing a big week three game against, you know, what would be the equivalent of Miami Buffalo? Would it be LSU? Uh, Auburn. Let's say, let's say they play Auburn, right? They're playing Auburn week three. And their quarterback this year, the same thing happens to him that happened to Tua against Buffalo. What's Nick Saban do? I would hope Nick Saban would be responsible enough to put in the backup and not let the let not let the young quarterback take any more hits. But I don't know because I've seen <laughs> I've seen Nick Saban play a Jalen Waddle coming off a serious, serious foot injury and put him in the national championship game with no practice because he wants to play. So you don't you don't know, right? Yeah, and I will say, I will say when you're dealing with health it's hard to make this argument but i do think there's a little bit of a difference with the national championship game that a player is going to remember the rest of their life 
when they're 95 years old and on their deathbed, they're going to remember that experience and letting them play with a foot injury and having a guy that has a head injury that can't stand up straight and having him play a week three game and then a I week know. four turnaround when you're already three and oh, man. I know. You it, know, this was the probably the most meaningless game that the Dolphins have played so far on a short week on the road. <sighs> You just didn't need to do it, but I mean, I. But again, it, if you, we got to remember, the NFL now controls the concussion protocol, right? They have people on the si- sidelines, whether the, the independent neurologists, the spotters, yep. yep. So yep. they control whether a guy can go in and go out. So who knows even how much say the Dolphins had, right? If, if the NFL is saying, "Hey, nope, he doesn't have a concussion. There's nothing going on here. You, you're free to play him." I, I don't know. Did, did the Dolphins then say, no, we don't believe you. We're, we're going to keep him out. I tell you what, if the NFLPA really goes hard on this and there's an investigation and it turns out the Dolphins owner had anything to do with this, oh my gosh. Well, he's he's suspended right now. So yeah, he can't do anything about it, right? <laughs> yeah, you would you would hope. But yeah. if, if it had, you know, that's all I could think about is like, yeah. if there's some kind of, text message you know like we need to play Tua on thursday oh my gosh um, i don't think that's i'm that's rampant yeah you know i i was just thinking of what a nightmare scenario that that would be um do you, do you have any more thoughts on Tua or this whole thing before we move on to the game because we should at least spend a minute or two on the game yeah I, I would just say i would say one last thing on Tua. my primary concern i think yours is too i mean you told me it's like dude this game's ruined for me that's it what is you said uh, yeah I, I was so yeah. excited for this game too and by yeah. halftime it was just all the air was out of the game if you don't understand or if you're wondering like where yes marcus and i are being extremely critical of the nfl here but at the same with what we know but really the main thing is that to just just want him to be healthy mm-hmm. and not feel the pressure to play with a concussion, not feel the pressure to be right back out there four days later. It shouldn't be that hard of thing, uh, but it is. It's really hard if you've ever played a sports, you don't have to play professionally, to not be able to play when even you have a bum hamstring sucks. It mm-hmm. sucks. And this is the difference between, uh, you know, well, I'll just leave it at that. It's really hard when you're an athlete to not be out there with your teammates, especially if you're a quarterback or an ace pitcher, you know, when the team is relying on you. So I just want to make it clear kind of where we're coming from. Yeah, I'm good. As far as the game itself, trying to get past this a little bit, it did turn out to be a, a pretty competitive game. Teddy Bridgewater came in uh, and played for Tua. You can see why the team – uh, paid Bridgewater. I actually think Bridgewater played pretty well, mm-hmm. all things considered. I, I mean, still think we also, Miami is a really good team. We should mention how much work does the backup quarterback get on a from a Sunday to a Thursday when you have to travel two days earlier because of a hurricane, right? I mean, did you think Probably Bridgewater zero took zero snaps? I bet you Bridgewater took zero snaps in practice. Yeah, I mean, they already, you know, used to be, say, in the 70s, 80s, maybe even into the 90s, that backup quarterbacks would probably get, you know, 20% of practice snaps. They get less than 10% mm-hmm. now on a normal week. 
a lot of times it's not with the starters, but on a short week where you have to leave early up, uh, all your points are well taken. I, I thought Bridgewater, Bridgewater handled himself pretty well. Um, I mean, gosh, he's been with the Panthers, the Broncos, the Saints, the Vikings. Who am I missing now? The Dolphins. Is that it? Did I get them teams. all? Yeah, I mean, this is his ninth year in the league. And we should mention he's another player that's come off a catastrophic injury, right? Like, yes. If you remember back to his days in Minnesota, like when he got hurt in practice, like there was for a, a split moment, there was a thought that the Vikings were going to have to do an amputation on the field when he suffered his knee injury. Like it was that serious. Like it almost cost him his life. Um, so the fact, I mean, he's another guy that's really easy to root for. Um, I thought he played well tonight. I, if the Dolphins have to turn for him, turn to him for a two, three, four week period, I think they'll be fine. You know, the, the, the key play in the game tonight was an interception that Bridgewater threw in the fourth quarter. Miami had the ball. They were down 20 to 15. Um, I couldn't tell. It was a, a throw to Mike Gusecki. They're tied mm-hmm. in. Bridgewater threw it high and behind him, but I couldn't tell if Gise- he was expecting Gusecki to sit down against a zone defense. That's that, what it looked like to me. That just comes from not practicing with the starters at all, right? Yeah. Just there's no feel and no rhythm on how a tight end's going to look at coverage and where he's going to be and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we can blame Bridgewater for the interception, but that's just not playing. Right. And Von Bell did make a nice play on the ball. But, uh, you know, Kirk Herbstreet said in the broadcast that he threw it, you know, outside and Mike Gusecki went inside. But I, it looked more like to me that Bridgewater was expecting him to sit down in the zone exactly. and yep. not, not carry it out. And um, I, I was trying to watch for any kind of indication with Bridgewater uh, speaking with, I think his quarterback coach on the looking at it on the surface um, as in the Microsoft surface. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't really figure out. I was, I didn't know I was trying to read Teddy Bridgewater's lips to see if he was going to say my bad or, or what. So I'm not sure what happened there. That was the key play in the game. Just a couple other little things that I noticed uh, Marcus Miami's front seven played really well in this game. They wouldn't give Joe Mixon crap. And I felt like Joe Burrow was just a little off. Mm-hmm. Like his throws were all kind of there, but even the, the some of the bigger plays they had, the ball was – there was a big play in the middle of the defense for about 25 yards to T. Higgins, but the ball mm-hmm. was clearly behind him. Um, did, did it feel that way to you that he looked a little bit yard behind, you know, uh, just – a little bit. I I also think we should give a lot of credit to Miami's front four. Like they've got some really good pass rushers. Melvin Ingram won the AFC Defensive Player of the Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was incredible against the Bills last week. They drafted a kid, Jalen Phillips, in the first round last year. He had a big sack. And then remember, yeah. Emmanuel Ogba, who was kind of a bust for Cleveland, like a second round pick, was it back in mm-hmm. 2016, 2017? It's been a He's, minute. Yeah. He's playing really well as that like third rusher. So I think I think Burrow was really trying to get the, rid of the ball uh, quickly in this game, not take a lot of sacks. And the timing was just off a little bit. I think he got better as the game went on. But first half, and this has been a problem for the Bengals all season long, is their offense in the first half is just so stagnant. Yeah. I, You know, just circling their offensive line uh, – I thought Lyle Collins was fine at right tackle, but their interior line, they couldn't get a push on Miami. The center and two guards could not get a push 
it just the whole at least for, you know now I didn't watch the game in the first half but I listened to it on the radio with Tony Baselli doing mm-hmm. the color and Tony Baselli definitely likes to talk about offensive line play um uh, I, I would but, mention Christian Wilkins uh it was a first round pick the Dolphins made 2019 2020 two two, two years ago I yeah think. something like that I mean He's really starting to become a good player. That you're right. The Bengals could not move him off the off the ball at all, and that allowed the linebackers, who I think are a little bit underrated, to have a good game. Mm-hmm. So, I, I know Miami's defense gave up what 26 points in this game, but I promise they played better than what the box score says. Oh yeah, 55 was in on some plays, especially oh, yeah. uh, inside the five. Uh, but that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to protect your linebacker so that he can go make plays. If you're playing the kind of front that Miami was playing uh, tonight, Cincinnati got stonewalled uh, inside the five. I did like the play call at the end of the game. After they'd gotten stonewalled the first time, Zach Taylor went with the 20-yard field goal because he's like, I don't want to. And the fans didn't like it. Uh, the Bengals were, what was it? It was 15, oh, excuse me, it was 14 to 12. Then it was 15 to 14 Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Bengals drive down. Yep. They get stonewalled. They've got a fourth and goal from about the two. Zach Taylor doesn't go for it. The fans get pissed. Sends the field goal unit on. They get the field goal, and then they go up. Uh, wasn't it right? Am, am I? Yep. No, nope, you're right. Yeah. Yep. And I didn't mind him not going for it there, but there were other decisions in this game that I thought were a little bit of head scratchers. And I know you haven't had a lot of confidence in his coaching. I one game sample size is way too small, obviously, but I felt like the dolphins were a better coach team tonight, even though they lost. Zach Taylor had first and goal from the three yard line and they kicked a 19 yard field goal. Yeah. How about the toss play? Uh, on fourth oh, one, man. yeah, you love those toss plays. They did that last week. You know what? You know what's my favorite thing in the world, Ellie? Is when, yeah. when you need six inches, is to toss the ball nine yards behind the line of scrimmage and ask five guys to make an awesome block to get a yard. I, I think that's just incredible coaching. But that was to Mixon, I think, right tonight when they did yeah. that. I yeah, last week when they did that, it was a toss to Chase. So you're asking your lanky wide receiver to go. To go pile drive for one yard, you know? Whatever happened to the Mike Tolberts? Can somebody just pull him out of retirement and say, hey, man, can we just use you every once in a while? What do you think his cookie belly looks like right now? Oh, my gosh. Oh, dude. Good old Mike Tolbert. Tell you what. A couple other just little small, small thoughts. Certain members of the Bengals secondary continue to miss tackles. Uh, It's not helping. You want to point out who you think it is? No, I don't, because I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be yeah. kind. If I've, I feel like I've been too critical already. Yeah, Jesse Bates is a big fan of your work as well. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can I just say, yeah. uh, I thought Chidobia Wizier played really well in this game. Yeah. He gave up one long catch to Tyreek Hill. Homer. But his coverage was great. It was just an awesome catch by Tyreek Hill. I thought Wizier was really good in this one. What Tyreek Hill did on that ball. You're talking about the deep post yes. in the fourth? Yeah, but the coverage was great. Yes, what he did on that ball is exactly what I wanted T. Higgins to do in week one against Pittsburgh. We, You and I talked about it on a deep post. Pittsburgh, um, I got an interception. And I wanted T. Higgins to slow up a little bit, use his body to have the to shield the corner, 
and make a play on it. That's if you watch that play again, and I know you're going to watch the condensed version mm-hmm. of this game. When you watch it again, notice that Tyreek Hill slows up and leans his body into a woozier and then speeds up again to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to create separation. You never get called for it. Um, one more thing from me. Uh, Miami was at a little bit of a disadvantage in this game anyways with their cornerback situation. They were doubling Jamar Chase, but leaving Xavier Howard one-on-one mm-hmm. with T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, Howard did well, except for the long touchdown, I know. Um, yeah. But when they get Byron Jones back, they can be such a more aggressive defense because then they don't need to have a safety over top of Byron. And then, of course, Xavier Howard gets hurt late in this game. I think the Dolphins' defense is going to be just fine once we get into October, November, and December. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. My odd play call tonight was the Tyler Boyd wide receiver pass. I don't have a problem with the wide receiver pass. If you remember, Muhammad Sanu is like a Hall of Famer at this, former Bengal. But you want to have at least one guy going deep, don't you? If you watch the routes on that play, they're all short and intermediate. And I'm like, if if I'm sucking the defense into thinking I'm running a wide receiver end around, I want at least one guy going deep. So if they bite up, I've got an easy score. You know, like several Sanu's plays were big time deep throws. That was just a little dinky do for about you know 12, 20, 14 yards. No, it was it was twenty three yards. It was it was more than you think. Um, but okay. I, I get your point. I just don't know. Listen, Mohammed Sanu had a cannon, man. Do you remember that first play? I think it was against Atlanta. Okay, just then, all right. Let's, the use a let's do a different example. Okay, how about New England versus Baltimore in the playoffs, twenty fourteen right. divisional round? What you're talking about, you want somebody catching the ball on the move, right? Rather or, than or that's going to score. Yeah. yeah, like if you're I doing mean, this from the twenty and you throw a twenty yarder, like you're talking about for a touchdown, that's fine. That's fine. But why do this just for? Why waste that play call just for that? Well, I don't know if it was wasted. I mean, that's maybe not wasted, but why don't you have one, just one player running a deeper route? Yeah, I honestly, do you know, what I think it was. I think T. Higgins was out of that game at that point. With he was kind of testing the ankle, so I think that was part part of it. But I get your point. Like, if you're going to use that play, you want it to be a touchdown play, not just a 23 yard game. Right. Nobody. I mean, who calls a flea flicker, for example? Say, hey. It's third and five. Let's call a flea flicker to get seven yards. Cleveland last you know? week against the Steelers. <laughs> yeah. They did a double pass to, to throw the ball. It was, it was a double pass screen to Kareem Hunt that got seven yards. Oh, man, I was thinking of you tonight, speaking of Cleveland, when they were showing the standings board and seeing Cleveland there at two and one and just thinking, golly, they should be three and oh. It's so crazy. Uh, thoughts on the Bengals unis tonight? Awesome. Out, like make them? those the full-time uniforms. I think I would like the white helmet with the black jersey. I don't know how I like yeah, the all white, but uh, I, I like the all white. It, it, it was clean to me. I mean, at least they committed. I mean, they went with the end zones and the uh, midfield. I, I think it's a little weird though to have two teams have white helmets. That's the only thing I didn't like in this uni matchup. But other than that, it was pretty good. I was going to make a comment to you about the Bengals Ring of Honor and who got inducted, and I knew you'd fall asleep on me. So I'm some not guy do named that. Anderson. I don't know. You don't. You really don't know who Willie Anderson no, is. Of course, I do. I was just joking. Oh my gosh! Yikes! Yikes! Uh, do you have your action pack cards out there? I do, but do I want to do something up? first before we do that. Yeah, go okay. ahead. Uh, go on ahead. a serious note, before we we get to the football cards, um, 
I don't know if you saw this news, but uh, former Dallas Cowboys tight end Gavin Escobar passed away on Thursday morning um, from a hiking incident. Uh, he's only 31. It's, it, I know his Cowboy career didn't pan out the way that doesn't matter. People, it doesn't matter. Uh, he had an awesome life story. In case you didn't know, he when he went to college in 20, uh, 2012 at San Diego State, um, I think it was his freshman year. Within the first couple of days, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, after a year, he was able to beat it, go in remission. He ended up becoming the highest drafted tight end in San Diego State history. Uh, he was one of the all-time leading receivers at San Diego State, had just an awesome college career. Uh, after his NFL career, he, he's been a firefighter, a firefighter mm-hmm. in, his, uh, in his local town. And then to have something like this happen, it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I did see that tonight. And uh, yeah, just on top of everything else. But yeah, it doesn't matter if Gavin Escobar was a great tight end or not. He had a, you know, he had a nice NFL career. Find, yeah, I mean, it, it's not everybody's going to be an all pro player. It, it, by all mm-hmm. accounts, just an awesome, awesome person. So Right, right. And it's not like the Cowboys didn't have a, a prime Jason Witten when they mm-hmm. drafted mm-hmm. Gavin Escobar. So um anyway uh, i did see that and it is sad and uh, i'm not sure really on all the details of that story yet that's a relatively new again we're recording this thursday night uh, i think he was a firefighter in long beach i mm-hmm. think he was living in huntington beach that's um long beach is about 30 miles south of los angeles proper and then huntington beach is about 50 minutes south of los angeles proper and um um yeah it's it's just like you said. It's a sad story, it's and it seems like we we had plenty of bad news uh, tonight. But uh, obviously, thoughts and prayers with his family, and thoughts and prayers for two and his family. I'm sure mm-hmm. two his family was worried sick. I can't even imagine watching. You know, you just imagine you're watching on TV, and you know, yeah, uh, seeing that. And this isn't just a player to you. This is a member of your family or a good friend or or what have you. So, um, but we need, we need some good energy here. All right, let's, so let's, you, you gotta, you gotta pull a winner. I'm not looking at this card. So by the way, this is you the guys 19- see the way Marcus's cards are organized and written <laughs> on his boxes. Just 1992 ridiculous. action packed. Okay. Sorry. I, these cards kind of stick together, which is not cool, but Oh, I Marcus, actually don't you really should. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay, is that Robert Del Pino? Yes, thirty nine. I know what you're applying with these. Cards. They're just they're like the, the the way these cards are. They're they've got this very weird texture to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, whatever. Go ahead. Yeah, Robert Del Pino, who for a hot minute was like a Rams legend in like 1989. They he got all these carries against Philadelphia in the playoff game, and people were thinking Robert Del Pino might be the next big star, but he was more of a special teams guy. Uh, they had, um, gosh, he played behind Greg Bell. I don't know if you've heard of Greg Bell. He played behind Gaston Green, uh, who was a college teammate, I think, at Troy Aikman's at UCLA. He played behind Cleveland Gary, who was a running back in the 90s. Anyway, there you go. Uh, so what I like about these cards, Elliot, have, did you have this set growing up? I, I did not have that okay. set. That set was a little pricey, to be quite frank. All right, so... What's really cool about this set, this is called the All Madden team, right? And on the back of these cards, it's a quote from John Madden talking about the player, 
yeah. on every single one of them, which is awesome. So do would you like me to read? Matt's yeah, I want, yeah, I want to hear what he says about right. Alpino. Every, every time I see Robert, he always has a big game. He's a good runner who can get the tough yards when you need them. He blocks well, and he catches well, too. He's a versatile player, but he really comes on strong when the Rams get down close to the goal line. The all-Madden team needs a guy to punch it in the end zone, and Delpino's that guy. I love it. I love it. You know, number 39, not a not a common number for running backs, but Steven Jackson was 39, wasn't he? With the Rams. With the Rams. The only other 39 I can think of, just right off the top of my head, the Cardinals had a guy named Johnny Johnson who was pretty good in the early 90s. Can you think of another 39 at running back? Yeah, who am I, I mean, missing? I, sure. I, I mean, I, I know that you don't really like NFL history a lot, but Larry Zonka, I think, was number 39. That's right, right Larry Zonka, doggone it. See, you got me. I didn't think That's of Larry right. Zonka. I, I know that you just tuned me out. I mean, I I got a lot. How about Ray Crockett? I'm not talking about other players, just running backs. I didn't think of Larry Zonka. <laughs> Yes, fast Willie Parker. I didn't think of Larry Zonka because I always think of Larry Zonka as kind of a fullback, and I was thinking tailback, but it's a good call. It's Florence Maroney? Good call. Florence Maroney is a good call. There we go. Patriots. Yep. I can't think of any more running backs. It's just not a common number, you know. Um, I would have never thought of Willie Parker. That's a that's a, that's a a really good pull. I probably would have gotten a Maroney, um, but yeah. Wow. Nice work. Nice work. I, I, I still, mean, if we're doing other 39s, how about the 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 great Brandon Carr from the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, we're not doing other 39s. Why not? Uh, gosh. Eddie Jackson? Yeah, Eddie, yes, Eddie Jackson. Go ahead, flex for a little while. This is this Brandon is Browner. I I what I love about this is that when I start talking NFL history, you start making a latte. I I see your computer screen reflecting on your oily face right now when you're looking up stuff. Yeah. I, I was trying to see I was trying to see what position Kermit just, Alexander played. So I was just insulting you for no reason. That was a cheap shot. Your face isn't even oily. But yeah, you know, I start talking about history. Marcus is sitting there looking up, you know, Banana Republic stock. And then Marcus starts talking about like Cowboys history and, you know, other things. And, you know, he's all in. So how about the, uh, the great Cal Hubbard Hall of Famer. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah, I mean, if we, we want to get into 1930s football. We can do that, but so I, what did I don't you do? Go to like... pro football reference and pull up all the, no, 39s. of course not. Yes. Yes. He did. Went to the Hall all of right. Fame page. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> can we go now? Sure. All right, that's our Bengals-Dolphins uh, take for Thursday Night Football. We hope you enjoyed it. I know, uh, let me just say again, I know some of this was not the good news patrol, but hey, we got to call it like we see him. And uh, I think we're certainly not alone in the way that we feel about this. I imagine tomorrow you are going to see a lot of stuff uh, if you haven't seen it already. And so I uh, just hope for the best. I hope Tua is okay. And whatever plays out, plays out. If the Dolphins get in trouble or the NFL gets, you know, has a big fight with the NFLPA, so be it. Are, are you waiting for me to say something else? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That was your cue. Darren Perry, another great 39 for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 90s. Pittsburgh Steelers safety. Rod Woodson told me when we worked together that I was like, I asked him, I was like, man, how did you get all those pick sixes? Because surely your defense couldn't have allowed for you to gamble as much as you did. And he goes, he goes, no, I definitely went off script. Sometimes he goes, I looked at Darren Perry and he knew if I gave him a certain kind of look, I was telling him I was going to go for this ball. 
He goes, but I would only do it if I knew that Darren would, would you know, would back me up so that if Woodson whiffed on it, the safety's going to come make the play. But I thought that was pretty cool. They just had a little eye contact and Rod Woodson says, I know he's going to throw a 15 yard out on me and I'm going to try to pick six it. And uh, Rod had quite a few of those FYI. So there you go. All right. I think we can wrap it up with that. No more 39s. I know you want to pull out another one. Well, what, what number was Lynn Scott? Was he like 37, 36? <laughs> I thought he was 38. Ah, close. Ah, it's fine. It's close enough. <laughs> Goodbye. Great takes like that. You can find them at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. They're free. Or you can listen to Locked On Cowboys with he and Landon McCool. Give them a follow there. And then also Marcus covers the Raiders for USA Today. I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. And uh, we will be back with you to do the power rankings uh, on Monday night. And uh, as always, hit us up on Twitter if you have any comments that you want to make. I read them all. I read them all. You guys take care. We love you.